I thrive off other people's energy mm-hmm. and when there's a buzz in the office I get a buzz and I know that everyone else feels that buzz and people get more excited and people do go a bit above and beyond what they might do at home I don't care what anyone says you are not at your optimum from home in a creative role if I could compliment you on it you definitely have by the sounds of things and what I can see what I can see when I come to your office and so on and so forth clearly created that through the people that you you and Sammy are not everyone (laughs) some people hate me I'm sure they don't I'm sure they don't I love you I just want to get to the point that I'm not we're always going to be a service-led company so we're always going to be there to hold the hand of the client and give them a fantastic experience but if we can also have a platform side of the business that just sort of runs and generates revenue that's the end goal I want to be these incredibly powerful entrepreneurs that are recognized globally. Of course I do. Mm. Do not expect that every idea you have, every step you take is going to be a successful one. One in 20 probably are. I think it's obnoxious to think that you don't need anyone around you or anyone's support. Yeah. I don't think I've sworn. Caramel or toffee? I don't really like sweets. Right. It's over. (laughs) Hello everyone and welcome to Babylonia Media and our very first podcast series, The Entrepreneur's Experience. When they're starting off on their journey, entrepreneurs love being surrounded by other creative and energetic people working in flexible workspaces. So it's very appropriate that this series is sponsored by Spacemade. Spacemade transforms buildings to create enjoyable and immersive working spaces for entrepreneurs and remote workers alike. We in Babylonia have a space at one of the locations and have found it a great environment to work in. Spacemade has accessible workspaces throughout the UK. Check them out at www.spacemade.co. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Babylonia Media. This is The Entrepreneur's Experience, episode six with Leila Antawi. First question I would ask you is what is VideoSmart? So, VideoSmart is a video technology agency in central London, and it's kind of broken down into two different sides of the business so the first side is the content creation so the creative agency side and the second side is the video technologies Um, and the video technologies is obviously what makes us stand out and it allows businesses and our clients to serve content video content to their customers or employees or members in a much more dynamic and unique way than your standard traditional video content would be so our main product is personalized and interactive video Um, personalized video means that you can communicate with thousands and thousands of people using the same video template but having a whole host of different data points in there so that the video is unique to them Um, and it just means that people are actually watching videos till the end in a world that's just so full of three second videos. And you're doing this all via email in general? So we we use this whole host of different deployment mechanisms, email's primary way, SMS, Sometimes they're hosted within existing clients' portals. Direct mail, it genuinely could be served in so many different ways. And, and you were saying that this is sort of um, the thing that makes you stand out. Why, why do you think that's the case? So you know that there's been a huge exponential ride in video, rise in video. Why are we sitting here now? Because mm-hmm. people love watching video. The issue is getting your customers to actually watch the videos. And our technology is very unique in that we can create personalized and interactive content which is not what many companies do we're the only um company host uh, hq in the uk that does it 
Um, and there are a few competitors in the space, but um, it still hasn't been penetrated much yet. Okay, and and on that point of sort of email marketing, is that, is that why you think you differentiate, especially in the email case? Because obviously normally people just do sort of spam, that sort of thing, and, yeah. and you're, you're actually making a difference on, on that behalf. Exactly. I, I think on average people are receiving about 120 emails a day. And how do you stand out and how do you make sure that people are reading those emails? If you have personalized video content inside it, we have proven that it will increase your open rates by 100% and the click-through rates after that, sometimes by 300, 400%. People actually going on to continue their journey with that brand. Um, so yeah, it's email-only communications are a dying, dying Yeah, trend. I mean, even even when you're doing it so well, is, is it still quite a low click-through rate? I mean, I, you don't need to tell me details, but are you surprised or has it grown quite a lot since you've started doing it more and more? It depends on the industry. Uh, financial services, we have fantastic open rates. People who have just taken out car insurance or um, a mortgage on the house are more likely to look at their, their inbox. Um, for other industries like travel, yes, of course, the open rates are still low, but we have never not achieved an uplift in open rates using right, personalized okay. video. Yeah. Okay, and, and I guess on that point of the type of industries, do you, so you tend to lean towards financial industries or, or what are the maybe standard industries that seem to resonate with you? Yeah. So we do work with different industries, but about 70% of our client base are financial services. The main reason for that is the products and services that they're selling are not sexy. And the mm -hmm. way that they want to make them sexy is by putting them into a 60-second video. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, a pension statement in the post, 16 pages long. Are you going to read it? Because I'm not. I mean, I, I sometimes rip up posts before I even, uh, even, even open it. Exactly. So. So, so these are the types of companies that want to hit their clients and their customers in a different way and that's why they use video but we do still do travel utility retail of course um, but yeah we just find that a lot of the interest come from uh, financial services okay um how long has video smart been going four years uh just just about four years now um started um four years ago with two people um, it's now 20 people, which is obviously a huge achievement for us. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, we were very lucky in that we had investment from um, a group company, um, but within by year two, we were already generating revenue and, and making profit. So we haven't had to have any capital help from anyone else since, which puts us in a really good position. Yeah, 100%. Um, obviously, I know your brother and... Uh, he told me that he essentially begged you, because you, you weren't there at the start, right? I was not. Um, I was not one of the two. You, you weren't one of the first two. No. Were you number three? I was actually number five. Oh, okay. A bit late okay. to the game. Yeah, yeah, well, well fine. Either way, it was growing pretty quickly, because that was six months in, right? That was six months in, yeah. So so my point would be is, is that uh, Sammy told me he basically begged you to, he did. to, to come on board. Uh, what, exactly. what happened there? And also just out of interest, what, you, what were you doing before that? So I was at that time working at BT Global Services. I was on the graduate scheme. Um, and I had calls from Sammy every single day saying, when are you leaving? When are you coming? Um, you told me about this. Yeah. <laughs> Come, you need to join us. We need you here. Um, and I really wanted to finish the graduate scheme because once I'd started, I had to commit to it. Mm -hmm. um, I was enjoying it as well. Um, and one day I just, I couldn't bear the calls any longer. So I just decided to um, pack up, come over to Video Smart, and I've been here ever since, and it's the best thing I ever did. Okay, amazing. And sorry, elaborate a bit more on what you were doing before with the BT. So BT is in British Telecom. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have a global graduate scheme that is kind of a rotational program where you do 
four different stints of six months in different areas of the business. Um, and then you get placed into a role at the end of that in the business unit that you excelled in or enjoyed the most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's a good scheme for sure. I'm glad that I didn't join in 2020 when it would have all been remote because yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. That's I just feel so sorry for graduates who are joining graduate programs and things remotely now. Um, but it was it was good. It, it exposed me to a number of different things, including marketing, which was good because this is what I do today. Yeah, yeah and I was thinking that, but uh, obviously you did that course, but uh, sorry that that graduate scheme. Mm. But at the same time, would you say you went into this industry fairly blind in the sense that you you've had to learn on the spot continuously? Yes is the truthful answer. I think I'm, it was less scary going into the day-to-day, like account management and, and working on the creatives because that stuff comes naturally to me. In the sense of what's personal with people, that, 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 yeah. sort, that sort of aspect. Uh, exactly. Of that didn't scare me. I think obviously what scared me the most and was new, most new to me was managing people, which I'd never done before. And I came in and I had to come in and essentially manage the whole team with yeah, yeah, Sammy. Yeah. Um, so that was quite scary. There was nothing like working in a company that's your own to learn. There's just no, there's just no way anything can compare because you're thrown challenges that are genuinely you worry about all the time. You yeah, can't yeah. go home and switch off. And it's obviously it's so personal to you, like emotionally almost. It's exactly. Did, did that, I guess that point also alongside the fact of employing people and managing people, especially when you're probably one of the younger people in the group, was that quite... And I know we t- we talk sometimes about imposter syndrome, and I've actually, again, I've mentioned, I've spoken to loads of people about that. Did you, I, s- I guess that interconnects with what you're saying. Is it, was that part of it? Do you think it was almost like an imposter imposter syndrome type situation? The thing is, when I came in, there weren't many people, so mm. it was less so the case. If I had come in now with twenty people and tried to assert my authority without knowing anyone, then mm-hmm. I would certainly feel that way. Um, I have to be honest, I never felt imposter syndrome at any stage during my time here. I think... So interesting because I know your brother did. Yeah, and he, yeah. I think he did until relatively recently, to yeah, be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, and, and we've spoken about this before and I've just never had it. That I, I just I don't know why, I've just never had that feeling of... You're um, obviously much more confident than me and Sammy. That's all I can tell you. Have you is that something that <laughs> I've, you've I've always, I've, I've always, When I was younger, I definitely... Not that I I didn't own many businesses that had a huge amount of staff or anything like that, but everything I did, I remember, for example, one time, it sounds crazy, but I owned like a minicab and taxi company. Oh, and, nice. and And all... When was all my, this? Oh, probably about 10 years ago. I was about 20 years old. And yeah, it's, it's, cra- it's actually a crazy story. It was before Uber and all this sort of thing. But the irony of it was obviously all your drivers, these 50, 60-year-old men, who are like work, yeah. you know, working their ass off five, six days a week. Yeah. And that's the first time I really came across it. And then... In some industries, especially with regards to events, nightlife, and restaurants, I found myself going up the ladder quite quickly. Yeah, I wouldn't say I was—I felt huge imposter syndrome, and I was very conscious of it. So I did things the right way. And I was quite gracious, but it's—it's—it does seem to be the case that it's either on the mind or it's—it's—it's it's, it's in the sphere sphere of your psychology if you're a yeah. younger entrepreneur. I do think that what helped me was that the team I came into were all young. Yeah, I think you're right in that. If I had come into a team that were all much older than me I would have had that sense of well, they're probably thinking what do I know I'm coming in at 25 years old and they're all in their mid-50s and been in the industry for 30 years mm-hmm. um but so probably that helped that that every my whole team was young yeah um but I hope to never experience it no no listen, listen you won't I don't I don't personally think you will if, if you didn't experience it in the first place okay. it obviously means you're you're good with it I am um, 
just talking on the whole early business or just the process of being an entrepreneur and being the business owner or manager or whatever you want to call it, did were there particular skills you learned that you think, I guess, are essential to being an entrepreneur as a whole? And just to sort of elaborate on that question, I feel, especially in the early days, you do have to become, you know, a jack or jill of all trades mm. or almost more than a jack or jill, I'd say. You, you've got to be really high level at all these things. Did that surprise you a lot? And were there particular uh, learning curves on that on that point? I love that you said jack or jill. Did you say that because I'm here? Yes. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> nice. I like that. Um, I think... To answer the first point about what skills do you did you say what skills do you think that you would need to own a yeah, business? Yeah, I just mean uh, yeah, own a business. The number one one, and I said I guess that would be more personal skills. Mm -hmm. And then the second point to that would really be, uh, what particular skills did in in regards to within the industry you had to learn early to to really get this right. So, personal skills that have helped me do what I do and do it well is communication skills and networking they kind of pile into the same yeah yeah agree um leadership and i do think that comes naturally or doesn't which i think for people who it doesn't come naturally for it's very difficult because you yeah, almost have to teach to yourself to be a leader which is hard do you not think you can grow into being a leader you, you feel it like you feel you have to have a knack for it the only reason why i say that is because i'm a big believer in pretty much anything can be learned it can be, but you can't textbook learn leadership. I mean, through experience, you will naturally become better at managing, but it makes life a hell of a lot easier if you're, you feel as though you're a natural leader. Um, problem solving, because you will never be faced with more problems and challenges than when you own your own business. Um, and those are all things that I think I naturally had. I think the stuff that I've had to adapt to and try and teach myself, commercial acumen, that's not something I've ever... I mean, I did finance in my degree, but it doesn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. That's something that I needed to actually get my head down and learn and teach myself. Spe speaking of staff and, and your very talented staff, are you, I guess if you don't mind me asking this, uh, do you retain your staff quite well? Mm -hmm. do, in general, they sort of stay with you quite a long time. And is that something you focused on? So it's a mix. We've got a core team um, who have been with us pretty much from the start, who are, I call them the founding team. Claudio, Andre, Chrissy, some of those people who have been with us right from the beginning, who still got mentioned, guys. You got mentioned there. Got mentioned, um, who are still with us now. Who the reason they're still with us is because we all share a vision, and I think we're all very in sync with what that vision is. And when we have a goal, we're kind of like all very excited together. Mm -hmm. The the staff that have a lower retention, and when I say lower retention, they're always here for at least a couple of years. But I think when you're younger and starting out in the industry. It's very normal to come to an agency for a couple of years, go to another agency for a couple, and maybe you settle in the end. Um, so those types of staff, yeah, they're not with us from they're not with us the whole time, but um, it's a mix. And if it was up to me, everyone would stay forever. Yeah, yeah. But it's an unrealistic expectation. Of course, yeah. No, I, listen, I think Sorry. I, it's always uh, oh, <laughs> you doubt it. That's fine. Sam, you're gonna get the lip Sorry, Sam. Sorry, sorry to the sound, sounding camera. Do you know, people. I might take this ring off because that's what's making uh, the most noise. It's great, though. It looks great. Um, with regards to uh, what you're saying about how some staff come and go, I yeah. do, I do generally, genuinely think that we're in a world where it's natural to work different industries or at least different uh, companies within an industry mm. on and off for the first ten years of yeah, your working I practice. Agree. Whereas, obviously, in our sort of parents' generation, that's yeah, that, that's that's way different. Um, Completely agree. You you mentioned before we started recording, uh, or we kind of were recording, but you mentioned Portugal. 
So, yes. so, so, what, so just explain us, to us a bit more what's going on there and why you have an office there. Right, funny story. So we, Claudio, who I've mentioned before, who was with us from the start, he's our head of development at Video Smart. And a couple of years ago, I think now, he said, I want to move back to Portugal. I don't want to be in the UK anymore. And with that, obviously, I'm going to have to leave Video Smart. Right, okay. And that wasn't an option. So instead of losing Claudio, we set up an office in Portugal and said, mate, you can go home, but you need to carry on working for us. So it actually just organically happened from our one of our founding staff going back home and us saying, well, you can carry on working there and build your own team. And now we've got three people out in Porto. Um, he's still head of development. So he, so he's doing work for the for the UK side and yeah. growing within, within Portugal? Yeah, exactly. So it is, he's still doing what he was doing and it's still for our UK clients, mm-hmm. but he's just h- HQ'd out of. Um, I guess he's gaining clients with, within within the local area. A bit as well. So we haven't actually got Portuguese. We've got international clients. We haven't got Portuguese clients. Oh, really? okay, um, cool. No, we haven't. Which obviously we would you love will. to do. You we will. will. Yeah, yeah, but sure. it wasn't that we said, "Oh, Porto is a fantastic development hub." It was that one of our staff wanted to go home, and we said you can go home and we're going to start you an office there. And and, and it actually is a p- really, really good hub of, of recruiting some amazing talent. So it's worked out really well. And I guess what the reason why you're even willing to do that is that because, like you said, that's part of the core team. You sort of see the vision. They're part of the bigger yeah. picture and there's, there's that real connection there. So they, they want to be in it for the long run. Yeah, I mean, it's not like anyone that wants to go back to their home country. They're going <laughs> to yeah, get yeah, a yeah. little office set up there. Yeah. But we knew that Claudio was someone we... We, we not only needed, but we wanted to be with us long term. And I think he shared that desire and was incredibly grateful that we were giving him the opportunity to do it whilst back Yeah, I think it's, de- it's definitely unusual what you've done. Yeah. If you value him that much. And I guess in the world we're in where it's quite easy to communicate, it's, it's exactly. fine. And you've not really had any any issues at all. It's quite thrived quite well. And I mean, except for 2020 where he hasn't been able to come over. He was coming over every couple of months or so. Um, he's still very much an, embedded in the team respected by the team even though he manages people in the UK which is interesting um but yeah it's worked really well it's worked really well interesting you've done that um who do you have many competitors in the in the sense of you said that you, you feel you're quite unique and you're quite ahead of the game do, do you have many competitors and I know we touched on it with regards to what what you can produce so quickly is there is there another level to that as well so are there competitors and, and, and where, where are you really, really differentiating beyond beyond the basic of the template and, and, and I guess, what, characterising the, the individual message to the individual person? Yeah, so we do have competitors. Um, every competitor we have has a slightly different offering to us, which is great for them and great for us mm-hmm. because, obviously, we don't want to all be carbon copies. Um, but we are very much a service-led organisation, so we do huge projects and we carry out the services for our big clients. Some of the other companies in our space are more platform-led. So here's the tools, here's the keys. You can create personalized video yourself from your desk for a fee per month, for example. We're very different in that we take on large clients, we take on large campaigns, and we do everything end-to-end for them so they literally don't need to lift a finger. Um, So we're different in that way. Um, That's not to say that they aren't fantastic at certain things that we feel that we are and with, we feel we're fantastic at others. Mm. It is quite a small space, though. There's probably a hand, there's like three or four in the UK, maybe six or seven globally. It really is not a saturated space at all. Do you, do you see smaller, newer companies popping up and trying to, I guess, imitate imitate what you're doing? 
Is that happening quite fast or does it seem to be, like you said, to some extent, just, just fairly unknown? It's still fairly unknown. There are definitely a couple that are doing it. Nothing that particularly phases us because of the fact that we're quite established now. We got we were there really quickly and it paid off. So, no, I don't see it becoming like um, like an email service platform where there are thousands and thousands in the market and you just have to pick or choose your favourite. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's ever going to go that way because the software, the technology is a huge investment in itself. So, And has your, I guess, pitch or proposition to clients pretty much been the same from... from when it started to now, I know, I know you obviously say you create content, but that I guess that aligns with 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 how you market. But is it is the niche more or less always been the same? And because uh, I know some people they pivot or they completely it's, change what they've done. It's changed so much. Oh, okay. So we started as personalized video. You can communicate with your one million customers using this really nice video template with all of their names in it and all of their policy terms in it. We now do not see ourselves as a personalized video company. I call us a video technology agency because we have a whole uh, range of different video technologies. We have interactive video with personalized video. We have video portal uh, solutions. We do video streaming. We do video hosting. We do all of these things. We do video content itself, the creation of that. So we've now expanded into all things video. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like to just pigeonhole us in no, 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 personalized video. And the other thing is that organically we've, with the trust of our largest clients like American Express and Legal in General and clients like that, they have put their trust into us for completely different services. We've done things like creating um, blog posts, social media posts, but helping so you, them with you've SEO. Really into that field, especially on the content creation side. Exactly. We are, I would not say that that is our core yeah. offering. You wouldn't call yourself a content creator as Absolutely such. Absolutely not. Yeah. But we can do it and mm. we have certain clients who, who just want everything to to go to us and we were able to do that for them so that's okay that's good. have you um have you enjoyed the content creation side yeah i i didn't realize how creative i was until i came to video smart i i do love it i do sorry just j- sorry to interject there but w- what you mean by that is you didn't see yourself as a creative sort i didn't of person. Okay. i didn't see myself as creative to be honest and i've surprised myself how i do have a natural knack for creativity i'm not saying i can yeah but you you can source an idea i can source an idea and i can judge creative and and see whether it works or not and i have a good creative eye i just can't tangibly create yeah yeah Yeah, i'm actually learning a lot about that myself through this process but have so would you say that you're creative uh i would say that i can i'm sure like you i could match i can match business with creativity in the sense i've always had a had a knack and an interest in in business and something i wanted to do Mm I've learned over over time that I definitely have a uh, real deep interest and almost passion for creating content, mm-hmm. especially this sort of format where we can help people and ed- educate people and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's just it's just interesting to the this, the I guess the the next part is le- the part of like you said learning how to actually tangibly make it yourself, whether that is editing or yeah. animation or whatever yeah. it may be, and that's that's another interesting learning process at the moment. But just hire the people that can do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So true, true say. for me, there's like. Thanks, mate. (laughs) But it's true. It's like, don't bog yourself down with the things that are just going to end up costing you more money in time. I mean, sorry to cut you off, but the question the question would be is, do do you need to talking about what we talked about earlier about being sort of a jill of all Mm -hmm. trades? How much do you need to know as an entrepreneur entrepreneur on the creative side with regards to making it tangibly? That that's that's kind of Mm. for me why I see myself at the moment definitely 
thinking, right, I definitely need to learn how to edit to some degree or, or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think having an overarching creative understanding is really important. So if I'm going to be the face of the company and I'm going to go and meet clients and talk to them about their strategy and talk about their vision to them, I need to have some understanding of, of what creatively works. I think the actual small deliverables that help them get to that, like editing, not small, sorry, it's really important, but... Very important. Very important. Bit of a face in the background. The, 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 the tasks that make up that end product, I would never go away and try and teach myself those because uh, I've got people who are really fantastic at them. In the sense of it's obviously specialised anyway and yeah. you want to stick to your strengths. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I may reconsider my plans. Uh, I mean, you can, but you need to focus on other things. Why would no, no, I, I agree as, I mean? as a business owner in general, which you kind of you kind of illustrated a bit when we were talking earlier. Without a doubt, you have to you have to be at the forefront of the business in so many ways. It's yeah. not realistic to do everything. Do it do everything without a doubt. No way. Um but don't get me wrong, at the same time, especially in the early days, I've I've no, I've and I've noticed this in a ton of businesses I've done, and also with my friends, you do you've got to learn the basics on absolutely everything. So like you said, yeah. you can be sharp on top of the person who is the specialist as well. You need you don't go in and like they know they know so much you just sound like a dummy or whatever. Oh, I completely agree. You you definitely need to be aware of what the people around you are doing and you definitely should have some level of understanding, but to actually learn how to do it. Mm. Not for you. Not but for did, me. did you did you even perhaps learn how to edit or, or do certain certain basics within the technology that you use? No. I really I know how it works and I know the things that are possible so I know how to talk to them to the client but I would have never sat on the software and and done any of this stuff myself no fine so you're, you're, you're much more concerned about front end and back end yeah. either side of the technology exactly um just just moving on slightly mm-hmm. how is it working with your brother in one word it's fantastic okay I love working with him it just it just works we are very different, but also so similar. Um, the dynamic we have is, it's interesting at times because he's, our personalities are, are quite different, even though you might think that they're quite similar. I don't know. Do you think we're similar? Um, I, th- I, I think that you're obviously quite naturally confident. I think he is too. Yeah. Um, but I obviously don't know the, the intimate details about, about your business or like your, your working relationship. Yeah. I, I I'd say you've definitely got a should we say 30 40% similarity mm. the rest I, I I wouldn't know. Yeah. So I think the reason it works is because we have completely different strengths. Mm-hmm. So we're both good at communicating but I'm much better with the for example finer details attention to detail. Uh, Sammy's more of like the overarching <laughs> You're being careful with I'm your words now. I'm trying to be careful. <laughs> no, no, I've listen, gone attention listen. to detail and I'm incredibly organised. And, and, and particularly meticulous, I guess. I'm very meticulous. Yeah. I'm a perfectionist. Sammy knows how to talk his way out of anything mm-hmm. and he's fantastic for that. Yeah. Um, and he's the kind of person you always want with you in a meeting because nothing will phase him. Um, so we're good in those different ways. I, I guess on that point, what's what do you feel is, is his... I guess what what's the bit that you dare I say, even admire about him in, in a business sense or and just day-to-day or on the relationship level? He's a really good leader. So he he doesn't even need to try to command respect. Mm-hmm. It just is something that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, he really knows digital. He's very, very a with what's going on in the market, 
what he's always got one ear to the ground. He's very intelligent and people know and can see that. Mm -hmm. So even if he is managing a team of 12, 60 year olds, they respect that he has a lot of understanding of what's going on right now and they listen to him and um and he's just got a great deal of respect from everyone to be honest would you would you say that well i, I guess the question would be is what's what's the i the reason why you took your apart from uh obviously the bt um, mm -hmm. graduate scheme were you quite reluctant when he 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 came came to you and said that look oh, you know i want to do this business together and is that because of the potential dynamic of the brother-sister business ownership? I think it's a good question, and I think you're right. I didn't grow up thinking I'm going to be working as Sammy, my brother, going to be my business partner for the rest of my life. Sure. And I knew that if I, once I moved, it was for life. I knew that it wasn't going to be like a five-year thing and then I'd find a, a job in another company. Yeah, so that's something you've really got to ponder on. I really had to ponder on it. And did I want to prematurely move into family business before exploring the world on my own? No, I didn't. I wanted to make sure it was right because it would be a disaster if it was done too soon. Mm -hmm. So that, you're right, it wasn't just wanting to finish the grad scheme. It was definitely some hesitance on my side about, okay, this is a big deal. Like, working with family is a big deal. I totally agree. I've, and, I've seen it in a cut. I, I know you watched the episode of another family business. It's just the dynamics complete, or, or how much it matters personally becomes so much bigger. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Sammy and I are together not so much now this year, but we were working together every single day. And at no point did we ever want the team to feel as though the, a brother and sister were in the office together. We had team members who were with us for three years and they didn't know we were brother and sister. May I, I'm telling you the truth. And they found out on a team night out and they were absolutely gobsmacked. I mean, I think that's a great way to go about it. If, if anybody could take that advice, if there is a brother, sister, or those sort of, excuse me, sort of family dynamics, yeah. that's a good point. Just at, Act as if it's just a normal business business relationship. Don't put weight on it and keep it quite, I guess, what disciplined or rigid. Yeah, and and you, you just don't want your team to feel like there's a different dynamic to any other business. I think people love the fact that we're brother and sister because they know how passionate we are about the long term um, health of the company, and they know that we're we're very serious about it. But at the same time, you don't want people to feel like, oh, well, they're a little family unit. Are we just the outsiders? Because mm. that's not how it is. We are all one and the same. I know what you mean, and in the sense of if people know that from the start, it might create that apprehension. Yeah. So we try not to to make a point of that when we have new joiners, for example. It's, it's amazing, actually. You, <laughs> you people didn't know that for no. years. Yeah. I was shocked as well, to be fair. Um, it, was, it was a surprising one. It was anyway. a surprise, yeah. but I also I really love that the rest of the team don't make a thing about it mm -hmm. and don't go around being you know talking about the fact that it's, we're it's clear that you've done that the right way. It's, mm. it's it it surprises me that to be honest that that you you've you've been so. So I guess neutral about it that 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 it's worked. Sticking with, I guess the the business as a whole. What would you say is like? Is there a bigger proposition moving forward? Is there any particular plans in the next year or two? And is is there quite a a big sort of five five year plan mm -hmm. on the way that you're quite you're quite structured with, and and that's what what you want to do now that you've done four years of it. Yeah. So I think in one sentence. Our goal over the next five years is to be the premier choice for any business for videos, technologies. I'm not, I know that the UK is where we started, but we already have clients in the US, in Australia, in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So I want us to be recognized as the first choice for any video technology solution um, for any business across the globe. That would be our dream. 
Um, we are constantly evolving and innovating and working on our roadmap for new technologies. So I think we can do it. I genuinely believe that we have the right talent, um, the right resource in place to make it happen and, and make sure that companies think of us when they think of anything video. And I guess because you, you were in it earlier, you've got a good sort of grounding or concrete grounding to, to the market as it is, so the, so the platform's there already. The platform's there, but it's a good point because things change all the time mm -hmm. and we do have to react. Sometimes we've been working on products that then we think, I don't know if this is going to take off mm -hmm. in once it's ready in six months. And we've had to shift the angle at which we are working on because we need to react to the market and react to what other companies are doing and react to what consumers want. Um, so you're right in saying that we can't have an exact set plan. We are going to execute on this, this and this by five years because it can change at any time. Mm -hmm. But as an overarching statement to be the premier choice for video technologies across the world, for B2B, by the way, I, we're not going to be YouTube. That's a completely different company. Love you, YouTube. Love you, YouTube. Yeah. But B2B, I'm we're on YouTube. We're on YouTube. But B2B, it's a completely different space. It's not comparable to what we do. Of course, yeah. It's it, it's it's so much more direct, direct and personal. Exactly. Would you, could you just? I guess you obviously explained it at the start, but could you give like a very, I guess, tangible example of 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 a product? And what I mean by that is what exactly happens for the for for the for the consumer, I guess, and and what you're creating quite specifically within an email sure. or whatever 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 it may be. <clears throat> so let's take. I'm going to take pensions. I know it sounds boring, but hear me out. So. At the moment, you might receive a 16-page statement in the post that tells you about your current projections and how much you're contributing and what that means for your future. And no one reads it and no one cares. Investing in your pension is so important. People don't understand, especially our generation. Just brush it off and mm -hmm. think it'll be fine. If, you, if you're lucky enough to even have a potential pension. Yeah, yeah, everyone should be enrolled in a pension. Yeah. So these videos that we create, well, instead of getting those 16-page statements sent through your letterbox, You'll get an email with a 60 or 90 second video that says, Hi, Michael. Thank you for enrolling into the XYZ pension scheme. Today, you have £5,000 in your account and you're contributing 1% of your salary. If you up this to 2%, this could give you 15 grand in the next six months mm -hmm. and you could have 12 grand to live on in retirement. And it tells you all of those figures in a really easy to understand way, even taking it to the point of if you carry on how you are, you will not be able to drive a car or live in a, a house, for example. And it gives you those real life examples and it just makes people sit up. Um, and it's had such a huge impact on how people are managing their pensions and contributing. Um, so some of the companies that we work with have had straight off the back of the video, 80% of people have gone onto their account to understand what their pensions look like and make changes to their retirement age. So it really is impactful versus the standard traditional forms of communication. Yeah, I can imagine it's so much more engaging, especially today and, and you mentioned sms or text messages you're doing that as well yeah we do sms we have we're an sms platform as well so if you don't have uh, people's email addresses for example or their demographic suits it better for sure. example new university students you can send that video link just through an sms in the same way you would email okay and so then they click on the they link click on it and it takes them yeah. to a video page and they can watch their content do you when you're looking at demographics just out of interest do you see quite a quite a distinct difference in who what what type of messaging works for as as in in other words under 25 assuming you would assume sms is obviously a much bigger engagement than whereas maybe post 25 or at least post 30 people are 
maybe more working e- email kind of works is, is there quite an obvious trend there or yeah so we work with our clients to come up with the communication mix the channel mix um that's all part of setting the strategy with them to understand how we should be targeting them sometimes we don't have a choice because we only have people's email addresses mm-hmm. for example but certainly where we have a choice we can work to to suit the, the certain demographics um, and target them accordingly yeah when you talk about the bigger proposition mm-hmm. video technology Obviously, we know the type of products you do. Are there, are there other products in, uh, that you've got planned? Yeah, we have lots of, of products on our roadmap. They are still video-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to go into completely different fields, so social media, for example, we will get the right people and we will recruit, recruit the right people to, to, to focus on that. We, what we don't want to do is ever be good at everything. We want to be fantastic at what we choose to do. So. In terms of video technologies, we have loads of plans for the future. We have a client portal where all their video content can be hosted in one place in a much more secure and um, informed way than YouTube, for example. Um, we have we have loads of solutions um, in the pipeline that our companies can use. If we don't do that, then we will stagnate mm-hmm. if we just continue to do the standard personalized video product. You, you definitely don't want to try and do that sort of 360 degree answer to everything everything because it, it's it's too much and it's it's too widespread and it doesn't i guess it doesn't appeal to clients to some extent because it's like well what are you uh later we call uh this series the entrepreneur's experience primarily because obviously we all want to understand the business and that sort of thing but it's really for me and with a lot of what we do within babylonian about the more human aspects of that person and what their experiences was for me personally for example my my journey in my 20s of discovering myself, fi- finding out things like how fitness was so important to me, not necessarily just on a vanity level or, or health, but actually it contributes so much to the way I go about my life and all those variables, that the, the sort of what I call the outside variables that mm-hmm. con- that contribute to your daily sort of efficiency and, and your business. Would you, are there some, do you have some of those parallels and is there some that you could like sort of highlight for us? So health and fitness related? To some extent, yeah. And it, it could, I mean, it could be anything from reading particular books oh, or I listening see. to books. Okay. What I'm saying is what are those variables outside of the of the actual work environment that you sure. learn that really, I guess, contribute to your efficiency and, and, and your learning curve? Sure. So if I'm going to talk about health and fitness, I eat well 75% of the time. I work out four to five times a week. And I must say, I purely do it. For you did say back. four to five, yeah, not yeah. 45. No. <laughs> four four to, moment, I was like, four 45 times? Four to five four to times five. a week. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, I hate every moment of it i hate every moment of healthy eating and i purely do it for an aesthetic purpose Mm -hmm. because when i feel as though i look good or i feel as though i'm healthy it makes me more confident and when i'm confident i perform better that really is it i would love nothing more than to not have to look after what i eat and Mm -hmm. be able to exercise would that affect me mentally Probably, if I uh, didn't. Yeah, I, I imagine it does. It makes you feel sharper, more confident in, in just your brain in general. So I the reckon way you deliver. so. I reckon that it makes me feel sharper, but also just physically, if I feel good in myself, I'm more confident. It's just the way it is. And it's it's sad that it has to be that way, but it is that way. So. I, I, I don't know if it's sad in the sense of it obviously makes sense to keep fit. Yeah. Um, the, the, the reason why I always ask that question to a lot of people is I definitely think the more you can do that well, mm-hmm. It does seem to just relate into your business life. If, yeah. If you wake up in the morning at a good time and you you, you, yeah. you get your exercise done and all 100%. these things, it, it fits with the 
I guess the consistency that you need, you need in your life to, to really execute any business. It's true. And actually on that point, that's why remote working was the most hideous thing I've had to do since starting the business. I hate working from home. I feel as though I don't have a sense yeah, I of routine. Agree, couldn't agree with you more. I, I don't have a yeah. sense of routine. I'm less motivated. Why am I putting on good clothes and makeup and, and trying to care about myself when I'm at home? Just generally, my overall functioning was not as good from home. And that is why I'm so passionate about working from an office space. I know it's not for everyone, but I'm a traditionalist and I really feel as though I perform better when I'm in an environment like this and I get up and I go for a run in the morning and I get to work and I have a routine. It just, I honestly perform 10 times better when I have that. Yeah, I agree. I actually, um, when I first started Babylonia, I was working from home a lot. I yeah. just was not productive in any capacity. So, so I, where do you I, I work have, from now? I uh, I have like a sort of uh, co-working space near, okay. near where I live. And it's not far, but just that. It's just that, that getting yeah, up and getting, getting there. Getting out, just walk, walking walking to, to the office, even if it's five minutes, makes a really difference. Great. Get your coffee or whatever it is. If you stay in, for me in particular, I know like you said, it works for some people, but I just find it really, really demotivating. Like go, going on the health and fitness thing, I'd often, I'm quite obsessed with morning routines at the moment. So I'll get up, you know, I'll, I'll do a bunch of different yep. things like breathing exercises, reading, ah. working out, all that sort of thing. Yeah, but the, the point would be is that if you do all of that and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And then like, okay, I'll sit back down in my in my, in my room, whatever it is. It's just it's not the same. It doesn't work I me. do agree. I always feel better when I get up early and I have a bit of a routine. Um, but I don't want you to get it mixed up. I hate exercising. <laughs> okay. Working remotely, could you tell us a bit about the whole COVID situation for you guys? I mean... My, again, I, I'd give the, the the assumption that it wasn't too damaging and, and it, no, it kind of, it it kind of fit, fits with there's still plenty of video technology needed regardless. Exactly. But, but, but just to, if you could elaborate and tell us, tell us how it went, really. Yeah, I think if there's any advice I could give to a business owner, it's to prepare for financial challenges because when they come and you're not prepared, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. So we were always in a position with regards to a steady cash flow with knowing how to reduce our bottom line if we needed to, mm. with knowing how to communicate with staff if we needed to, all those setting emergency budgets, all of those things that mean that you're financially prepared if a challenge comes about was so important to us being successful over the period. You're right that we are in an industry and we're very fortunate that we weren't really impacted by COVID because we're digital and everything went digital. So we were in a good place. But that is not to say that we didn't have clients who were petrified and pulled back budgets and, and pulled campaigns because they didn't know what was going on in the world. Um, but the fact that we were financially prepared put us in a really good place. Um, with the remote working, obviously during the height of the pandemic, we were all working from home for, th for three months or so. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't enjoy it. I actually felt like I could switch off less because I wasn't actually, I wasn't in a routine and I was always worrying. It's all a bit too blended for it's you. You like the differenti differentiation of yeah, I don't of think when you're an entrepreneur that, or business owner that you can ever actually like ever switch off. Agreed, That's yeah. not an option. Yeah. But at least you're like, I've done what I, I've done today and I, you know, I can close up when I'm ready. When you're at home, it's just not the same. So we did do that. We're now all full-time back, at, well, nearly full-time back in the office. We've got a huge space um, in the office. We're only a team in the UK of like 15 people. Mm. So we've got all the measures in place. It's Everyone loves being together. Um, and we're fortunate that people are so keen to be in a collaborative space, despite what's going on in the world. Um, it's what keeps me going is coming up and seeing my team every day, to be yeah. honest. If it, for you, is that 
is that always a big, big, big driving factor as you become a business owner? Is it like seeing the team, the vi- the, vi- the visual element of just seeing a team in front of you and like p- seeing people thriving and you growing. Is that has that been one of your 100%. biggest drivers? I thrive off other people's energy, mm-hmm. and when there's a buzz in the office, I get a buzz, and I know that everyone else feels that buzz, and people get more excited, and people do go a bit above and beyond what they might do at home. I don't care what anyone says you are not at your optimum from home in a creative role. I'm not saying that other companies and, and businesses can, can't do it, but the, com- the you know the industry that we're in, where we're a creative agency. So, so you think the collaborative nature of creativity is, exactly. is, is without a doubt, you have to be together at all times or at least um, the majority of the time. 100%. Think of it for you. If you were doing a collab between you, know, you cameraman Sam, and you wanted to work with another agency to come up with something, mm-hmm. in the, in, would you think that a remote meeting would be good? Absolutely not. I mean, obviously, I'm not a fan of it anyway, like I said yeah. to you, but I, you, you know, with regards to anyone I work with, we speak we speak a lot back and forth on, uh, on the phone, but yeah, 100%, you have to sit in person and, and you know, draw stuff up. And exactly. I know it seems traditional, and I, I know that potentially Gen Z will think, what do you mean? We've all got FaceTime, we've all got Zoom. I get that. But until you've experienced that face-to-face collaboration and those brainstorm meetings, I know we're not allowed to say brainstorm anymore, but... I didn't, I didn't know we weren't. We're why? not. You're too old. Yeah, I'm probably am. So why? it's actually um, politically mapping? incorrect. Really? It's so, thought thunder. Thought Some, thunder. Yeah. Okay, I'm, so, I'm going to stick to brainstorming, but Yeah, okay. so we, until you're in that environment where you won't realise how much more impactful it is to be face-to-face and sure. drawing up on the whiteboard. Thanks for saying I'm too old, by the way. Oh, um, sorry, you're literally two years older than me, yeah, so I don't, I don't know why I said that. Um, yeah. I, I totally agree on, on the nature of, of collaborative creativity. It has to be in person yeah. and, and that energy. And it's, it's so interesting that drives you forward. Beyond the plans for the business, that, that's, that's what gets you up every day, so to speak. That's what gets you, gets you going in the morning because morning you know you've got things to do, you know you've got people to meet. That, that whole energy is, is for you everything about business, really. I don't think I've ever struggled to get up in the morning since I've started at Video Smart. I, when I'm worried about something or things aren't going well, even that gets me up because I'm not, I need to get to work. I need to figure something out or I need to do something that's going to erase the negativity or the worry that I had yesterday. I'm always motivated to go to work. I love being around the team. I love being in a creative environment. I love talking to clients. I, the worst part about COVID is not meeting clients. I, it's my favorite thing to do. I love going to meetings and building relationships and and teams and microsoft teams doesn't do that for mm. me mm. just talking over each other half the time yeah yeah, yeah it's true because no one can hear each other exactly. were there any you don't have to say obviously you mentioned the client but were there industries that actually maybe even stepped up their spend as a result of covid because they knew people would be at home did that happen at all i wouldn't mm, i would say that budgets were allocated differently mm-hmm. i think people have probably taken are doing less above the line marketing billboards and things like that because no one's out and about as people are less out and about i wouldn't say that people have suddenly thrown loads of budget because people have marketing budgets and they're set in advance so that's not really been able to change especially what larger companies like yourself exactly uh, that, 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 that we with. work with yeah. but the the solutions and the products that they've chosen to do or the campaigns that they've chosen to run have kind of been flipped on their head because of covid they've had to be covid specific a lot of the messaging was probably a bit insensitive that they had planned prior to covid so we've had to change it um but 
we've had clients who've definitely not withdrawn spend, which has been really good for us. Yeah, it's, and it's like like I said, it's just it's just great that you're in that industry that there's no real yeah major bump in the road be, just beyond breaks, the working yeah, environment. I can't. It breaks my heart for the industries that are, are struggling at the moment. It's just the, the worst thing imaginable. Yeah, I can I can agree with you. I think like um, I obviously worked in the sort of nightlife events industry. They're just oh. they're just doomed. They're just absolutely doomed and. And it, it's so true. It's it's funny because it, well, it's not funny, but it's like you see it happening. People are all over social media, just going mad, saying something's going to happen, but you just don't see any real light at the end of the tunnel for them. Um, and virtual events, just obviously, it's fantastic that people are taking that initiative and and doing what they can. But events are about meeting people. Events are about being face to face and socialising, and it's not something that you can really replicate virtually. I'm honest. You, you mentioned uh, you can you can virtually never switch off being a business owner. No. Just out of interest, is there anything you found that helps you switch off now and then, or is it just a case of you just accept it? I've accepted it. Okay, I, I thought you'd say that. I just yeah, I think if you are that person that really wants a distinction between your work and your life and want a balance, um, do not even attempt to start your own business. It's the worst thing that you could do. You need to be prepared to absolutely never switch off at any time. Um, sometimes I switch off and I feel guilty for doing that. Like half an hour in, I'm like, why am I not thinking about the business? Why am I not thinking about that big pitch next week? So annual leave is a myth. Go away, but be prepared to work. Yeah, you'll be on the phone half the time. And, and you yeah. cannot say, hey, can you just not contact me next week because I'm on annual leave and I really need to switch off? You just can't say that. Like, you're, you're meant to be running this business. If we need you, we need you. And I'm, I'm always, always, always ready to have conversations on leave. Do you... Obviously, you have clearly have a great team ethic. Do you think that is needed, especially because you've got so many people invested in your vision, uh, and and not necessarily are thinking about the business to the twenty four hour degree that you are, but they're clearly going above and beyond. Oh yeah. And 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 if you can do that, it makes the work life balance much more comfortable, right? Yeah. So, do, do, so you're asking if the team around us, you feel as though they are not nine to five people? Well, yeah, I would get that impression. I, I would also yeah. think that um, they're happy to 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 have that environment because I guess the team ethic you've created and the enjoyment they get out of it, it feels less like work, yeah. so to speak. I think it's funny that you say that because there are, it's not, for, it's not everyone, but there are certain members in our team who they feel the successes with us and they feel the failures with us or the challenges with us. And they will not switch off at five o'clock just because that's their working hours. They will go above and beyond and they will put in the extra time but I do want to stress that that isn't a weekly thing. Mm. It's not It's not something that they feel the pressure to do that often. But when they do, that I, f I get the sense that they're happy to do it because they want something, They want it to go right. But I, I would definitely, if I could compliment you on it, you, you, you definitely have, by the sounds of things and what I, can see, what I can see when I come to your office and so on and so forth, you clearly created that through the people that you, you and Sammy are. I think that, that, you know, the kudos to you on that point of view, that people actually want to do that for you. Yeah, not everyone. <laughs> Some people hate me. So, so, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they don't. I love you all. Yeah, we, we love you all, guys. Video smart. Everyone in the team is yeah. great. Um, let's, let's talk about other brands a bit. Is there any brand, and I mean more in an entrepreneurial sense, like over the years when you've taken the time to learn about how, how this business grows and what, what companies do particularly well, are there any brands, I guess, or entrepreneurs that, that you really, really admire or have really taken note of with regards to helping you learn and, and the parallels of your journey? Yeah. So there are a few brands that I admire. 
um, they're linked to the things that I love in life. So that helps. I think brands like, I wouldn't say Amazon. I'm just talking Amazon Web Services. So that is, um, AWS is essentially a, um, a company that's obviously part of Amazon that powers things like Netflix and Spotify. It streams all of their video content in the cloud. We use them at Video Smart. That's how we stream all of our video content um, and host all of our video content. And the the brand itself is only really known to businesses. You wouldn't just like as an everyday consumer care about them or know them. But I've kind of followed their evolution from Amazon and creating AWS and how it's become a monopoly in its market. Um, and I really admire that. I also admire brands like Waitrose. I love Waitrose. I Good. honestly get excited to go to Waitrose because of their branding and yeah. the way that they have positioned themselves in the market. It's like a playground to me. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I love them as a company. I just, I just admire their branding. I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah. I just love Waitrose. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Waitrose. Shout out to Waitrose. Wherever you Go are, we love you. Free food. Yeah, yeah. Could you could you even work for them? Could you could you cater? Yeah, sort of course of? we can. What would it you do? Should we pitch now? Loyalty card. Waitrose. I've got that card. If you could tell me I've got X points, you could spend it on this. Why not come and see our new products here? There's so many things you could do with video. Um. So yeah, Waitrose, AWS, fashion brands go a bit over my head. Mm -hmm. Don't invest too much time thinking about them it's more the technology side of things that i um i get excited about what you don't want to ever sell that's a tricky question certainly not in the five-year plan or 10-year i really that far ahead you for you guys it's just something you always we want to just be a part don't of. need to be bought so i don't really see the benefit of being bought if i'm going to be in the business then i'm going to be in video smart and it's not going to be part of other organization when you, when you say you don't really need to be bought just what in the sense of there's no desperation to sell for tens of millions or whatever it is there's just no need from a monetary perspective mm -hmm. so and it, as soon as you're bought i mean who am i a big a small fish in a large pond and mm -hmm. you know, it's just not who knows what the future holds but it's definitely not on the agenda it doesn't fit with, with what you want to do and i guess would do you also think when you think that like what would you do if you didn't have the business I don't, I, it's a really good question. I think my natural answer is that I would probably be, I'd be working for a large organization. If it, I wouldn't work for a startup probably, um, if I wasn't running one. Um, I would probably be working my way up in a large organization. I don't know what one, probably wouldn't be at BT anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to be in sales and managing large corporate accounts. I think that's the stuff that I do now that I would, still be doing if i wasn't at video smart that fits with the skill set that you this that fits you with like. the skill set yeah. i think it's a really comfortable place to be working for a large corporate yeah, yeah um which is always nice but would i want that such little risk and such comfort probably not now because i'm young and i don't have responsibilities so mm -hmm. i i like the the nature of what i do um but i've never really thought about what i would be doing which is well i, I guess the the point to me would be, is, is there any, any sort of inclinations of other business if you were to sell, but if you're not going to sell, or, or at least that's not at the forefront of your mind, and at least in the near future, then then I guess it's not even something to really contemplate. It's just, it's just interesting sometimes, like, it was kind of, it's kind of different for you, because I guess, like you said, you didn't have a huge amount of uh, work experience before, but a lot of people, 
uh, I often ask, you know, did you expect to be doing this mm. when you first started your working career? And I guess for you... Because I was getting calls from the first moment I started at BT. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah I, so I so probably did think that I was going to be yeah, there. Yeah, like it was, it, was, it was always coming, I guess. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a good question. I think people would have much more exciting answers than me, but it was it was less of a shock to me mm. to join Video Smart than it was for people who randomly started a business and then it did well. Yeah, but listen, at the end of the day, it's, it was, it's clearly the right move. Yeah. You know, case in point with, with what's going on. Uh, with regards to sort of admirations, I would further that point of, could you could you say, and you do, if you don't have an answer, that's fine, but is there any business idols you have on, on a personal level as in the, the individual? Yeah, I think there's a few both men and women in business who I admire and I think are fantastic. There's quite people that people wouldn't know about, like Anne Neaton, who's the COO of Ocado Technology, which mm -hmm. just look it up because what Ocado are doing from a technology standpoint is absolutely phenomenal. When people, when you have your food packed from Ocado, you would definitely not envisage the way that they pack it is the way that they do. So just look on you know, okay. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I love what she's doing I think she's fantastic um, obviously the CEO of AWS um, Andy Jeffy he's fantastic there are some people that I admire but there's also smaller people who started small social media companies who have now become the face of social media that I kind of follow on LinkedIn and I listen to their podcasts so anyone in the creative or tech space I'm interested to learn about and follow their journey and there's new people popping up all the time um, but although I admire these people and I love to see what they do, it's not like I'm trying to replicate what they do. Of course, what we do is so different that I kind of have to follow my own journey, but to get inspiration off these people. Yeah. A hundred percent. I want to be these incredibly powerful entrepreneurs that are recognized globally. Of course I do. Do, do you identify any particular, what I'd say core, core human skills? Uh, when you look at people like that and what I mean by that is a good example would be is I think you just have to be so have this sort of dogged determination about what people say from the outside when, when you talk to people about your business are there, are there some parallels there that you really appreciate I know it's such a cliche to say that entrepreneurs if you didn't fail loads of times then you didn't try hard enough but it's true if you it's, it's completely it's, true it's so true like do not expect that every idea you have or every step you take is going to be a successful one one in 20 probably are yeah, listen. I mean, I, I'm. It's one of the things I'm obsessed with is basically trial and error. I don't yeah. think you can, and I can imagine when you're even sourcing ideas or creating content, you have to do that. You go back and forth, like you said with with Sammy or, or whoever in your team. You must you must do that even five, ten times before you really get to the to the bottom of an idea. A hundred percent. And there's no worse feeling when a client isn't happy with an idea that you've come up with, or isn't happy with something that you've done. It doesn't really happen very often, but when it does... Because we're so great. Yeah. We're so great. It, there's nothing it never worse goes wrong. Because you, all you want is for people to agree with you and think that everything you do is fantastic, but it's just not the case. And and it's unrealistic to think so. Um, but it's just about how you come back from those things and try again, and, and it will succeed in the end. Yeah, sure. agreed. I mean, I always found it very quite a stiff learning curve when you have that, that idea in your head and you lay it out and you... You put it on pen to paper and everything else, and then you, the first person you consult, it's like, well, what's really... the worst idea you've had? The worst idea? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so many. Um, that's a good question. Idea that you actually tried to follow through with. Not I just tried like to create a uh, uh, 
credit card reclaim company once. And it's like a debt collection. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, not like, do you remember there was this um such a funny question. Do you do you remember no, it's not funny, it's a great question, it's just funny, it reminded me of that. Um, do you remember there's this thing called is it like PP something or whatever? Basically, oh yeah, PPE. Where they call you up and say, Did you have a credit PP, card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, what, ironically, I should have done it, but way before that was even a thing, I heard about the uh, law of, of what was about to come where there was this massive amount of budget to repay, repay people on a right. on a credit card scheme. And I just I put it all together, but I, was, I think I was 19. So I just had no clue what I was doing. But you doing, had imposter syndrome. Well, you I, just thought, well, how can't I? Can't, yeah, I was basically, there's I no way I could on. do this. What yeah. do I know about credit card You know, details and law and so on and so forth? I just heard about one law and thought, oh, I'll give it a go. Yeah. But so... I guess it was a kind of good and bad idea, but the, I guess the bad idea was I didn't get pull through with it because it ended up being a massive business for 10 years. I know, but, but it is it is difficult when you don't know if you've got the right resource around you to make it happen. Cause well, the, yeah, number one, there was no resource. Yeah. And on top of that, don't get me wrong, it would have been great on a money perspective, but I, now when I look at things, it definitely wouldn't have been something I enjoyed or, no. or, or anything like that, I have no passion for. No, exactly. Um, so that, yeah. That's, that's your worst idea. Yeah, it's that, not that bad. I it's thought not you'd that bad. Something worse. Why, why do, what's your worst idea? Ooh. It's 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 funny because when you like recite to yourself some of the ones, it's it's quite funny that comes up. I don't know. I don't. It think... could be just an original idea for a client, or it could be. I guess that would be the point, right? Did you have something where you're like, "This is genius," and then, and then you consult everyone, they're like, "No, no, really I'm... bad." I think we've made hiring bad hiring decisions here and there. Um, and that's not because people haven't been good. It's that we've probably hired roles that we didn't need, but we thought we needed. And then actually the business requirements didn't fit that, that higher. Mm-hmm. Um, no one that's with us now, mm-hmm. but I think more along those lines of thinking you need something at that moment in time and then being like, oh, we've committed now and it's really not, it wasn't the right route. I don't think from an idea perspective, you've ever gone in front of a client with an actually bad idea. I just, yeah, just said, just- I guess just no. said no way we're no way we're doing that. You haven't had a I've never had that, no. Yeah. People are far too kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's interesting what you say say about the employment thing. I guess you don't feel that would happen now. This is more in the early days, right? When you had I guess big dreams and big plans and it yeah. and you're like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll go and we'll go and get this person exactly. to do this. Exactly. And then you realise that it's a bit of unnecessary resource that you could have probably outsourced or that we've definitely learned along the way how to hire correctly and utilize resource in the right way but at the beginning you don't really know and if a client wants something you think oh we need to get someone that does that well actually no that was probably the worst thing that we could have done because now you've got a full full time staff member that you need for one project so just really small things like that but I wouldn't I can't think of one huge mistake or bad decision that I've made no. well it's, it's good luck, lucky you it's probably why you I'm gr- still young though well yeah that's true but you guys have obviously yet. made incredible like, like you said, you're quite meticulous. So you've obviously made incredible yeah. decisions, incredibly acute. And we've got each other. Yeah. So you might have sat in bed with your credit card idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said that when you go to people, they then kind of give you the harsh reality. Yeah. I wouldn't ever come up with an idea and go to a client. I'd speak to Sammy. I'd speak mm-hmm. to my parents. I'd speak to the people within the business. So it never gets that far. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that because I obviously own this business on my own, but I do feel like more of a team player, someone who needs to bounce stuff off yeah, people, but which that's is why fine. I've consulted people and tried to get people on board like you guys have who who sort of buy into the vi- buy into the vision and the mission. Because I think it's obnoxious to think that you don't need anyone around you or anyone's support. Yeah, true. 
very very true it's it's just it's just not for me it's not what business is about it's not about driving it down one sort of avenue on your own and no. and, and and be done with it it's, it's so much more about a collaborative nature especially now when people want to be part of it and you've got to offer something quite a bit beyond just yep. profit i guess um i think that's it although i have one more question i can't remember what it is stay there okay layla we will and finish the- with hello guys yes i can well, my notes. we're gonna do a magic three Okay, we're gonna do a magic free quick fire questions yep. at the end because it could be could be quite fun. So first question is, what was Layla like when she was younger, a kid at school, that sort of thing, and her character? Always a class clown, always very sociable, always very motivated, but fat. <laughs> I was really chubby child i so wasn't sure what you were gonna do there I, no okay. i was fat okay. but i was still confident yeah so i don't know why so okay fine cool and i can show you you can put some pictures on the screen yeah we, we, we do a few thumbnails on, 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 on youtube fat layla okay yeah. fat, fat layla turns the business owner <laughs> uh favorite movie limitless why i'd love to be that Switched yeah. on twenty four hours a day. You seem pretty switched on, to be fair. Yeah, not like I limitless. would like that pill. Does it exist? The, uh, yeah, it's called Adderall. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Okay. Adderall is probably the closest thing, right? Would it be Adderall? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Um, uh, limitless. Okay, and last question is: Could you shine any light on maybe perhaps a few instances within your business experience about about I guess being women or like is there anything you've noticed that's that's good or bad about it? What I mean by that is people often talk about perhaps disadvantages. Have you have you seen that personally? And and what's your attitude toward towards it in general? I've been fairly lucky overall. I don't feel as though I have been disregarded as a woman. Um I must say I have been to meetings where they automatically assume that Sammy's the leader and I'm secondary. Mm-hmm. Um I try not to really take notice and to be honest with you, that dissolves really quickly. As soon as you know what you're talking about and as soon as you show that, people lost you know, they get rid of those preconceptions. Any, any, yeah, any pretense they have yeah, of gets course. Sort of dissolves quite quickly. Yeah, so yeah. I haven't I have to say I don't feel as though I've been in any situations where I felt really like I was there was a misogynistic man that made me feel really low about myself. Mm-hmm. Never. Never mm-hmm. never experienced it before. I think if you're credible and you know what you're doing and you're good. It's very hard to ignore. It's hard to ignore. It's irrelevant. And I've, oh yeah, I'm lucky enough to not have experienced that. Good. Fantastic. I'm, I'm glad you haven't. All right, well, well that's how we're going to conclude. So okay. thank you very much, uh, well, Thank Layla. you for having me, Mike. It's been well, a pleasure. Uh, well, thank you for having me, technically. Cause oh, yeah, this office. is our office, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it was brilliant. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hey, guys. Although we technically concluded the interview there, we actually carried on talking for a while and there was some great conversations. So we decided to add that. You, um, you join us when... Me and Leila are talking about parents and the disciplines uh, they can install that's really useful. And she started to talk about her inspiration behind her parents. And it was just a really great conversation. So please enjoy the second part and hope you enjoyed the show. They are the perfect balance. And without one another, it wouldn't be nothing. Um, and you're right in saying that seeing them so hardworking from us being born till now still, it did motivate me. It's made me never want to slack because they didn't. 
And although they came from nothing and I came from something, it doesn't really make a difference to me because I still see, I'm so, I just feel so proud of them because they're so incredibly motivated and hardworking and inspirational. And I do sometimes get that moment of not wanting to let them down and not wanting to be less good than they've been. And I think my brother feels that too. I think both of us are like, well, they were amazing and they still are and they work ridiculous hours and they never switch off. So why should we? Why yeah, should... It definitely, definitely has a quite a big impact oh, and influence on, on the way you go about your life in the business sense. It does. And they do reward that, you know, they do, they're very proud of us and they always tell us so. But I do feel sometimes like, well, if I don't go the extra mile there, is are they going to feel like, well, we we did it. we had to do all of that stuff. Why are you not going the extra mile? So I think that is always in the back of my mind, and it does always push me to do more. Um, I think I think it's a great yeah. just it just it only to me really illustrates the point of obviously your parents were fantastic in that in, yeah. in that aspect, and I know, like you said, fine, you, you you didn't have it as hard as them in 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 some aspects in the world, but I think everybody has variables and contributions that that yeah. affect who they are, no matter who you are, no matter how privileged you are. Um, but I also think it's very important to note that if you are a parent and and you that you've done well, that if you create the ethics and push the ethics that got you to where you are into into your kids, that that will then you know yeah. sort of shine through with what you do. And it's quite obvious that you guys that happens with both of you, both you and Sammy. It does. I think it can go both ways. So there's some people who came from nothing, didn't have that to look up to, and therefore that's what they really want because they never had it. Mm. And then there's the other side where like us. We saw it, we had it, we were never without, but I still want to do more than that and I want to do what they've built justice and I'm always conscious of that. I, I don't ever want it to you know, stagnate. I want yeah. to keep, continue keep to grow what they growing. have. I think Sammy is absolutely phenomenal at doing that and mm -hmm. he's a huge driving force in that. Um, but we're a good team. To be honest, all, us four as a, as a unit are a very good team. I'm sure. But... Just slightly on that point about, you know, you said it can go one way or the other. I actually potentially, I'm not sort of like saying, oh, if, you know, privileged people have it really tough because I know there's there's things that they don't. But arguably, psycho psychologically, it's tougher if you've got if you've got an element of a security or safety net there anyway. If you see what I mean? I've, I found that a bit not to say I'm hugely pri privileged, but I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not underprivileged. Yeah, you know course. what I mean? And I, I, I've often found that I've had to force myself to feel like I've got no safety net at all and like my back right. back's against the wall or else I just don't drive forward. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you guys have done that quite naturally through quite strong a stronghold of, of, of parenting. Yeah, I do. I think, do you think that sometimes when you're privileged that you could become lazy with without, it? Without a doubt. I mean, we, yeah. we all know people who've done that. You know, we've all know people who, you know, parents created this empire and they've just let it fall apart. It's the, it's, it's yeah. the cliche classic thing you hear of. Um, but then it's hard because it's so much pressure and if you're not actually invested in it and passionate about it it's quite a lot to ask so I love digital and I love creative creativity and I love the industry that I'm working in so that helps but who goes to say that like Nav cared about fashion what if he didn't he would have not done anything with it well but it, I mean yeah yeah 100% but interestingly on his point of view he found the passion he, he, he found the care for the business because it was because it was a family business and then he found the passion within it mm. and i think that point of the ethic is the most important thing yeah. same with you guys you you guys well i guess sammy initially and then and then it came on yeah. to you as well but like you you realize more or less you have no choice but to, to drive forward and yeah. and and 
I guess, you know, in inverted commas, achieve something. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the real challenging part, I think, for it someone is. who's perhaps has has a safety net or so, or, yeah. or has something something there. That's true. Okay, Layla. Mm. You are engaged, is that correct? I am indeed. Is he a business owner himself? So Bradley is a lawyer. Mm -hmm. He's a commercial property lawyer uh, in central London. He's not a business owner. Mm -hmm. He is incredible at law and he's very hardworking. And we have such polar opposite day-to-days, it's not even funny. There's li there's no parallels between what we do, except for that we both work in central London. Uh, elaborate on that. So he works on contracts, okay. and I work with people on video. It's Fine, so, so his is particularly, dare I say, like quite corporate conventional, which is oh, nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with it, but that's that's what he does, whereas you're completely opposite. But we say to each other every day, we, we every day we get back from work and we spend time talking about our days because that's what we do. And we say all the time, I could never do what you do and you could never do what I do. And we couldn't. We have different skill sets and different personalities. And it's probably what makes us work on a personal level. But our careers are just so far removed. Um, quick five questions. We'll do a few. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, tea or coffee? Coffee. Chocolate or sweets? Chocolate. But crisps. But okay. Cinema or at home? At home. Pasta or pizza? Pasta. Leo or Brad? Who's Leo? Leo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt? My, my fiance is called Brad. I was like, obviously, my. <laughs> I was so confused. You said quick fire, so they've got to be uh, quick. Brad. Brad, okay, fine. Seaside or countryside? Oh, depends where. In general, seaside, countryside this in the UK. This is a quick fire round. I'm not okay. sure he got the idea. Okay, so. Right. In the UK, countryside. Other other places, seaside. Right. Um, planes or boats? Boats. Caramel or toffee? I don't really like sweet stuff. Right. It's over. 